There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows that used to be on the Sci-Fi channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And tonight we'll be discussing episode eight of season five of The Expanse. Holy crap. <laughs> like, yeah. it, we got a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but we got a lot of Naomi. Yes, we did. And I was so stressed out with Naomi. Absolutely. Which, obviously, everybody who's listening to us, we're going to assume that you've watched the episode. If not, you're going to spoil it for yourself. Yes, you will, because this was <laughs> another amazing episode. I do like that it appears that we will probably get the crew back together by the end of the season. So that's something. Yes. <laughs> we but- won't resolve anything, but at least the crew will, should be back together <laughs> I on the roster. I was going to ask you that. I was literally going to say, but do you think we're going to get any result? But no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay. Have you ever watched a movie where people are underwater and you try to hold your breath like while they're doing whatever? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was trying to do this with Naomi and granted, they were cutting it. Yeah. So she wasn't as long, but I'm like, oh, I probably can't do that because I'm still recovering from pneumonia. But I'm like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> so, and I just thought it was interesting because like, of course, it's going to be like the furthest thing from where she is and everything that happens but okay i guess not so spoiler alert but i honestly thought that because the last person we happened to see come off the ship was sin right that somehow he was going to leave something there for her like thinking that she was going to be able to get off and get away somehow right i kind of had a feeling that yeah there might be a a fail safe somewhere on that ship that he put there to Right, emergency Disable the bomb. Right. Something. Yeah, and we still may see it. <laughs> well, as of this episode, we didn't see it, and I was a little disappointed. Right. I don't know why I kind of had that feeling like, oh, maybe he left something. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, but anyway. After these last two episodes, Dominic definitely deserves all the awards. Oh, my gosh. She has just Amazing. been killing it the last two episodes. Yes, so good. And wait, didn't she produce one of them? I know Stephen Strait had. That's Holden. Right. He had produced one or two episodes or more. Like, I just happened to notice. But I right. thought she had, too. I could be wrong. Yeah. But I feel like this would be a really hard one for her to do if she w- did produce any because she was so center you know, focused. Right. Although I really hope that the whole crew ends up, like, producing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, how about we jump in head first? All right. Episode 8, Hard Vacuum. Amos returns to Baltimore with Clarissa on Luna. Avasalara's alliances begin to shift. Alone and adrift, Naomi becomes a deadly lure. 
Okay, I have to say this too, just because it was weird. I was watching this last night, and when I turned it off, I'm like, wait, that voice is really familiar. It was, I forget her real name now, I'm having brain fart, but Ava Solara. Right. Because it happened to be The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah. And she happened to be on the screen at that time talking. I'm like, wait, I know that voice. Hold on. And I'm like trying to get to the regular TV. I was like, that was just so weird. Yeah. (laughs) I was literally just watching her, and then she's on my screen again. Love her so much. Yeah. Well, we open on... The way to Baltimore, as we see Amos and Peaches riding through a cold, wet terrain on their newly acquired bikes. I'm thinking, how are they riding motorcycles through the mud? Because that's what it looked like until they showed it up close. It's like, oh, it's like a road. Right. But there's like mud and gunk around. Right. Yeah. If it's rain, then the ash is now mud. So. Yeah. And they make a pit stop. And, well, they've gotten rather close as they <laughs> are able to. I'm like, are they doing what? Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> hey, I've been with my husband for 20 plus years i don't think i'm comfortable doing that i mean maybe if he's in the shower and i really need the bathroom right (laughs) curtains closed i don't know maybe i'm just a prude in that regard yeah but i guess if the world's ending and you're like you know what we just i gotta go yeah and i don't think you want to be out of eyesight of anybody so oh that's true because you never know yeah who could be out there and amos informs her that they're only 40 clicks away from baltimore and, oh, is that all? Yeah, which pretty good time. Now, Peach is, is starting to feel like herself again. The mod blockers are finally wearing off and she can smell and taste again. And even that protein bar that Amos was not so <laughs> thrilled with tastes and smells like heaven to her. Oh, it's like she had COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And she notices something in the distance and they wander over to a massive tarp fluttering in the wind. She pulls it back to reveal a slew of corpse, all of the elderly variety. Now, I thought she had heard something. So I was thinking somebody was hiding under there. Right. Because I swear I heard something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unless that, it was a noise like, that got her attention. That's for Okay. Sure. Unless it was just supposed to be the snap of the, the tarp. tarp. Yeah, I think so. But when she pulled that back, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was really interesting with the comment that was made. Right. Because yeah. Amos is like, oh, this is probably a senior facility and they didn't survive. But when Peaches is like, I hope this was done as an act of act of kindness and right. not as something else because i i wouldn't have thought of that i'm just thinking oh whoever was there they didn't survive the initial you know they took them outside whatever so people can still maybe survive inside and then when she said that i started thinking oh my god what if people did go in there and like kill these seniors right to take what food or blankets or whatever yep and then like my mind started to go to a really dark place it's like oh my god would somebody really do that and then i'm thinking you know amos was spot on yeah. saying people act right because of society. Yep. And like the more I thought about that, like the more, I don't want to say depressed, but it was like, wow, it was a depressing feeling kind of coming over. Right. But I think the key scene. Yeah. Well, I think the key to that scene is, is that they were all in body bag and only one was, didn't get zipped up all the way. So I don't think that it was a murder type situation where people were just taking their stuff. Otherwise they would have just left them 
dead where they were at. So yeah, I no, do think somebody does it and then they feel guilty. Well, yeah, they could, but but yeah, it was just one of those things. It's like your mind takes one step and then it, yeah, you know, it you start fumbling like, <laughs> holy crap, what if? Yeah, it was horrible. Yep. Later on, we find Amos and Peaches has arrived in Baltimore and we see them being led up some staircases to a rooftop. And of course, on their way, Amos gives that pack of tequila his best bedroom eyes. <laughs> He, now, he I thought doesn't he want had, to lose that. I thought he had seen the, that bottle because he had lost that one bottle that was like the, the dark liquor, whichever one it was. Right. And I am thinking he's looking at it like, oh, man, if that's here, Eric might not be here. Right. But I was totally wrong. Yeah. And we see his old pal Eric brooding into the distance with his back turned on the rooftop. Of course, he's none too happy to see Amos meddling in his territory. And Amos introduces Eric to Peaches. And he tries to convince Eric to leave Baltimore and just not having any luck, which makes no sense because when you see it, it, most of it's underwater. And he even goes on this rant how the neighborhoods are all gone. And well, yeah, dude, your territory is gone. So <laughs> what's what's there to stick around for? So Peaches gives Eric a proposition. There's an island off New Hampshire called Winnipesaukee with loads of wealthy summer homes there. Uh-oh. Sounds and, like a good spot to loot. Yeah, especially when each of these lavish homes is equipped with the ship. Amos and Peaches are planning to head back into space. And we sure hope he's going to get reunited with his crew. And, of course, Eric wants to know what does he get out of it? Well, a free ride off the planet, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when she said, oh, there's several orbiters. It's like, several? You can, if you wanted to make this profitable for yourself, you can probably charge or whatever and get a lot of people off the planet. Right. Which just kind of makes me sick that I just said that out loud. But I'm yeah. thinking in terms of Eric. Exactly. Now, of course, he doesn't want to give up his empire that he's built, but it's almost all underwater, dude. Yeah, there's like nothing left. And when you've seen all the piles, those were huge bags of like rice and water. It's like, oh my God, did they just steal everything from like the UN uh, relief efforts or what was going on? Right. Good question. It wouldn't surprise me if it was stolen, that's for sure. But essentially, there's nothing left for Eric to rule, so he reluctantly acquiesces. And we go check in on the Pella, as with Naomi presumed to be floating dead somewhere in space, the Belters are left to mourn sin. So I was right, at least... It seems like I was right that Philip did not see her make it to the ship. Right. Yeah. Cause he was, he got down to the airlock. So all he's got was his face in that little window. So he has no idea where she jumped out to. He just saw her right. leave. Now I figured he would remember what she had said. Right. And he still might. Yep. Especially with Marco's little shitty Dig. statement. Yeah. So apparently sends Fatherly concern for Naomi wasn't strong enough for him to keep take a stand against Marco, but it did inspire him to try and save her from what he thought was a suicide attempt. Marco and Philip are genuinely torn up about Sin's death, but the mood shifts when Marco starts grilling his son about what happened in the 
airlock. Philip says she wanted to die. She didn't have to kill Sin. And Marco, who always knows the most hurtful thing to say, whips back with, she didn't kill him, you did. I was so ticked because this goes right back to all of the abuse. Yes. But I'm like, no. At that point, I'm sorry. It should have been, and I know it's probably a hindsight thing when you're in the moment, but Philip should have been like, no, you killed him because of what you did to my mother. Right. What you did now, what you did before, this is on you. Like, just turn it back on him. Yes. Because he deserves to wallow in grief and misery because he has been heaping it on so many people for so long. Right. And I, again, saying that out loud, I sound like a horrible person, but I don't care. Right. See, Christina, this is why Marco has no redeeming qualities. (laughs) (laughs) And... From what we saw of Sin, there is no way he was this manipulative type of person. He seemed to genuinely care about Belters and especially what became his family with Marco, Naomi, and Philip. So this didn't come from his adopted father. This came from himself as a child. Mm -hmm. So we go check in on the Razorback where Bobby and Alex are speeding through space. And they've noticed that all the Belter ships, particularly the ones they spotted earlier, seem to have vanished. That's not good. Nope. And Alex decides to scan for any distress calls and sure enough picks up the one from Naomi. Except it's not hers. It's the Marco Decoy message. I don't know how they got the voice to sound right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I know a lot of cutting of and splicing, that's for sure. But he buys it and sends it over to Holden, who we see processing the call. But it's kind of difficult to tell whether he believes it's truly Naomi's voice or not. But see, we find I, I out. Don't know. Do you think that if Naomi was in real big trouble, she'd be like, tell James Holden on the Rossi I need help. Right. How no. about, <laughs> I need help. Somebody come get me. Yeah, I think Holden will be more suspicious of it than Alex. And hopefully Bobby will be the one that will bring Alex off the ledge before they get too close to the <laughs> right. Chet Mocha. Maybe she can zip over in her suit. Right. And I don't know, they can do like the scuba buddy breathing somehow. Yes. So we go check in on the Rossi where we see them surveying the wreckage of the Zemea. Holden and his crew are searching for possible remnants of the protomolecule sample, but they don't find anything. That's not a I good sign. I don't think sign. it was there. I don't think it was there. I don't think so either. I mean, why? I just don't know why that throwaway that was just a belter skiff or float, whatever it was, it's just like stuck in my head. Yeah, absolutely. And Monica and Holden muse whether any comms transmitted from the Zemea to Marco's ship could give them any clues, but the wreckage is proof positive that nothing pertinent remains on the Zemea. Now it's time to hunt for Naomi. After being told by Bull that they don't have enough ammo to take on Marco's ship, Holden leaves, and Bull admits to Monica that he's not willing to go on a suicide mission to pinpoint Holden's girlfriend. So I can see it now. We're going to have the Razorback and the Rossi meet up, and Bull can take the Razorback, and we get Alex and Bobby on the Rossi. (laughs) Yeah, because Monica seemed like, oh yeah, I I don't know what's going to happen. But I feel like she's like, I totally know what's going to (laughs) happen. Okay, we'll go check in on Luna. Ah! 
Yeah. <laughs> As the newly minted UN Secretary General David Pasture hastily promoted after everyone else in line of succession died in the asteroid attack, which, like Fred said a couple episodes ago, sounds like designated survivor, which I agree with, <laughs> nervously gives his first big speech with Christian and Delgado lending their support from the sidelines. The address is full of rousing promises to track down Marco and company and make them pay because the future of humanity demands it. The crowd seems convinced, but the inexperienced pastor is still a little unsure of himself. I thought he did pretty good for a first-time speech. Okay, and I have to ask, knowing how this whole thing played out with him, yep. and, and granted, we haven't seen everything, do you think he was faking the nervousness? I don't think so. Because he seemed to take a total 180 when he was talking to yeah, the Delgado. General. Right, yes. Now, I, I think it is because he says in his speech that they have got to take action. And I have a feeling that he's convinced that, yes, maybe taking out Palace Station is the way to go. But Now, I actually agree with, I don't remember if it was Christian or one of the other cabinet members saying that if they do that, it's going to turn the entire belt right. against them. Yes, absolutely. And during the cabinet meeting, that's exactly what we see as... 13,000 people on Palace Station, and they know that there's Marco sympathizers on the station, but there's got to be a lot that aren't, and sure enough, they destroy the station. What's left of the belters that were not on Marco's side will join the cause. Yeah, I think they'll 100% like turn towards them, because then they'll be like, look what they did to us. Right. Now, of course, as the discussion gets heated, he changes the subject to the North American relief efforts, which kind of tells me that either he didn't want to hear that discussion, and that yes, maybe he already had decided that yes, blowing up one of the Belter stations would be the best plan, or if he was truly trying to change the subject after we see him meet later with Delgado and seem more convinced than ever that that should be the best way to go, it seems that, yeah, he was just changing the subject because he had already made up his mind. So I don't know what it is, the way everything started to turn in those moments with the with Delgado and Pastor. I feel like something weird is up. Right. Absolutely. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Very possible that Pastor's not quite who we think he is as far as being inexperienced. I mean, because during his speech, he never, ever slipped no. at all. So, I mean, for a transportation secretary to give a speech like that without even pausing, that's a little dicey, I think. So, yeah, it's very possible we might have a plant here. Yeah. That Avasalara is going to have to figure out before everything goes to hell in a handbag even worse. Ah, oh, jeez. So, we go check in on Drummer as she and her crew are scavenging through the debris of a ship. And she reveals that said ship belonged to a belter faction that in the past voted to kill Marco amid a tribe funeral. Oh, great. 
and apparently Marco fired on them, and this is what happens when you go against the grain. Death and destruction. Now, Oksana learns from Corral that Marco initially let the Belter faction go free. Then the faction turned on him and unleashed the first shot. Yeah, I don't believe that. I don't either. I am all with drummers thinking that, yep, they said no, and he destroyed them. Especially when she seems to like that captain's chair a little too much. Yes. And later, Oksana finds Drummer working on a helmet, and she isn't a fan of Drummer's dour attitude toward, well, everything. However, Drummer wasn't game for joining Marco's Free Navy in the first place. He was responsible for the deaths of, her, of two of her beloved comrades. And we see our Belter family, minus Corral, eating together in the kitchen area. And man, everyone is on edge. The tensions are rising and people are snapping each other. Until that is, someone spills some water. And we see the droplets just floating throughout the space. And to break the tension, they decide to slurp up the droplets, which breaks the tension for the time being. But it's definitely not enough to <laughs> get them back to their happy selves. Yeah, I thought it was cute, though. Oh, yeah. And then I'm thinking, wait, there's still a lot of water floating around. Like, that could get into your circuit. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, my God, catch that stuff. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and yes. later on, Corral gives Drummer and the team their orders. Next stop, sir. And Drummer learns from one of her crew that a distress signal has been received. Naomi. Oh my God. Fake message that is. And Drummer, like Alex, thinks it's real. Yes. And I'm like, go, Drummer. I think you can figure this out and you'll stay like far enough away. And I'm like, yes, Drummer could do this. Yep. And freaking Corral. Yeah. <laughs> she drops the verbal bomb on her that Naomi is dead. Marco constructed that call as a means of luring the Rossi to a its death as Naomi threw herself out the airlock. Now, of course, Drummer doesn't believe her, and she lunges at Corel, but Oksana holds her back. I don't know. I, I don't think Oksana should have done that. No! At this point, it's like, yep, throw Corel off the ship. Yes, and we see Drummer go off by herself to scream in private, and boy, was that raw and visceral. Yes, like, when she grabs the bottle, and she starts drinking it, and just her screaming, and you can just feel, like, all the pain. Yes. That she was... Like, like, oh, I can't save my friends. What kind of person am I? And then freaking Corral is just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I wanted to reach through my screen and <laughs> slap the hell out of her. Her and her blue lipstick. I'm yeah. like, you know what? I don't care how cute you think you are because you are just being a little shit. And like, I hope drummer beats your ass is all yeah, I'm going to say. Absolutely. Oh, you so deserve it. Yep. And later we see Corral joining Oksana at the kitchen table, and Oksana reassures her that she'll talk some sense into Drummer. Well, if Drummer doesn't fall in line, then she can't be the captain anymore. Yeah, and this is when Oksana should have been like, wait, what? Yeah. I think somebody needs to take their butt to an airlock and see what's going to happen to them. Yes. And we see Drummer cradling that bottle of scotch that she had gotten from Ashford, and we see... The that that thick eyeliner is smudged from all the crying. And Honestly, I think that hurt more. Oh, because yeah. Because we've never seen really that kind of reaction from her. Right. Then you see her makeup all messed up. It's like, ooh. 
Corral. Yeah. You ain't gonna make it. And suddenly Corral notes that the fake Naomi message has ceased to be. Well, it's broken up now. Only fragments of the original caller coming through. This shouldn't be possible since Naomi is supposedly dead. And Oksana muses whether she's alive and on the Chet's mocha after all. Now, is it just me, or do you think Oksana should have taken that information and the way the message was divided up to Drummer and not said that to Corral? Absolutely. Because, like, the first thing I'm thinking is great. She's going to contact Marco and be like, I think she's alive over there. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> They've got to get rid of Corral before Corral gets a hold of Marco. Exactly. So we go over to the Chet's Mocha where we see Naomi floating into what looks like the bridge. Her skin is utterly ravaged from her time in the hard vacuum of space. Her eyes are bloodshot, and her face and hands are swollen. She is definitely in an immense amount of pain, and she notices that the comms are down. Oh my gosh. Like, just seeing, like, the way her hand was, like, all messed up and yes. everything, I'm like, oh my gosh. And then she's seen all the bombs. It's like, Duh. Yeah, and no way, everything is connected together. Mm-hmm. And Marco probably ordered Sin to destroy the vessel to the point where it's inoperable. Then Naomi hears a faint noise. She follows said noise to a vac suit that has an active voice message emitting from it. It's Naomi's own voice, and she's sending out a distress signal, a call that's supposed to reach James Holden. Not good. And later, Naomi desperately searches the ship for ways to create a radio to send a message. Because it's quite clear that the distress signal she found with her voice wasn't actually her. Rather, it was Marco's construction as a luring tactic. A way to bring Holden into the crosshairs since the Chismoka is essentially a bomb. I just really feel like they are going to figure it out, right? Right? Yes, yes, they will figure it out. Now, I guess that might be a way to write Alex off the show, but not Bobby too. <laughs> so. Don't do it. Yes. <laughs> After a handful of futile attempts at finding something useful, Naomi dons a vac suit that has zero oxygen, and she fiddles around with more tech outside the bridge, but obviously her time is limited since she doesn't have oxygen support, and she does this several times, but finally she gets in and snips some wires and constructs a makeshift radio with an old helmet. Uh, and I'm like, okay, good, good. She's got this, right? She can get this this out. They'll figure it out. Right. Uh, uh, Naomi re- records a message. That's the truth. The fake call that Marco constructed is a trap. And she urges all ships to not heed its signal and steer clear of the chet smoke. Naomi doesn't know if anyone will receive her message or even if she's on a channel. But- I- I was hoping that Marco wasn't going to hear it. Yes, that's a very strong possibility. Yeah, like monitoring it somehow. But at least the truth's out there. And later on, Naomi receives a message from Alex, and it's not the one she sent. Alex reveals that the Razorback or the Screaming Firehawk is setting its course for her location. And this is the opposite of what Naomi wants. But unfortunately, Alex and Bobby heard the fake call 
And we see the wheels turning in Naomi's mind as she tries to think of a way to disable the distress signal. And she begins repeating the fake message to herself. Then she makes multiple trips with her oxygen-less suit, tinkering with wires until she runs out of breath. We see her make a tally on the wall to mark each outing she takes. And every go-around further wears her down. And we see the sweat dripping from her face. And this just can't be good for your body. No, because first of all, her body is all jacked up right now. <laughs> yes, anyway. And she's doing more oxygen deprivation to it. So Right. And so, like, second, she's not really recovering enough. At least it doesn't seem like that to be able right. to, to do it. Because it's like, all right, she knows where she's been. She can go further out. But at the same time, I thought it was weird that she's in there and she's talking. It's like, that is just going to up your CO2. Right. But it's like we really why? figure out that, yes, the last time in, she finally snips a wire and the message stops. And as she gets back out, it didn't really stop the message. It changed it. And that's why she kept repeating to get a feel for the timing of how to try to edit that message and how how much time did she have to cut out to get the words that she wanted. And that's what she was doing at each spot, was trying to cut out part of the message. Ah, that does make sense. Yeah. Amazing engineer. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. So, oh, man. hopefully they will pick up the new signal, but I don't know. I think this brings Drummer into play more than anything, is they've heard the new message. Yeah. I don't know if the Rossi or the Razorback are going to be still listening to the emergency channels or scanning the channels for any messages. So, hopefully Drummer will get there first. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, we don't want to see anybody go boom, especially Naomi. And we sure don't want to see Marco show up. I know, but for some reason, I want Drummer to, like, make Cabal go over. Yes. <laughs> and, like, oh, oh, now you're going to give her your suit, because otherwise I'm going to kill you or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that would be sweet. All right, well, we do have some feedback from our friend Fred from the Netherlands. So let's find out what he thought of this episode. Hello, Steve, Sean, and all listeners to the Fangirl Zone. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for DX Bombs Season 5, Episode 8. What a Naomi heavy episode. Really, really hard what she has to endure. You see that she is a tinkerer, a technician, and has a lot of endurance. It also made the episode quite slow-paced, I think. I didn't understand why she had to go in so often, but perhaps because she had to alter the transmission partially. The interaction between Drummer and her crew is also interesting and from an interview that Wes Chatham aka Amos and Ty Frank did in their very nice YouTube after show, it proves that Kara Gee was actually 7-8 months pregnant when they filmed this. So I talked about her nude scene in one of the previous episodes and I talked about her legs and actually it was her back that was damaged in the accident uh, together with Klaus Ashford. 
I thought it was herself by uh, an ear analysis, but but now I really think it was a body double because she was already quite pregnant then. They probably glued her head on another body. She was quite pregnant, so almost impossible that it was herself in that scene. And there you can see what they all can do to hide this. I remember we had once this same discussion about Delsea Kendry in the Killjoy series. One of the other series you did a podcast about, but in that series they later used the pregnancy in the series and I don't see that coming for drummer here. I have to admit I didn't notice anywhere that she could have been pregnant. But yeah, now you know it, you just see the upper parts of her body all the time. One of the other physical things I noticed is that Clarissa's eyes are much bluer than I thought and that is because all the scenes we have seen before were always in half dark etc and now they are walking around in the devastated world and much more light. You really see that she has much brighter eyes than I thought actually. Not important but I just noticed that. That was all for now. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Okay Fred, I think I'm I'm rubbing off on you. You start going off on a tangent about something you're like you know her eyes i'm sorry <laughs> but honestly i didn't even notice that but he's picking up like these little things that we yes. just never see we never <laughs> like catch which i absolutely love but i love the fact that we had so much naomi because it was showing it slower because right. you know she's exhausted and she's hurt and even though they're kind of skipping through the wire thing right we see she's on like what 13 or 14 by the right. time yeah it in the last cut we saw her make was like three yeah <laughs> it did take a while but we still got to see everybody in the episode so i definitely didn't mind it being a much more intensive naomi episode that's for sure i had no idea Karagi was expecting though no me neither so, so. yes i definitely think you're right much like our other shows and and even game of thrones when the lead actress is pregnant they you know, use a body double yep when they're gonna show a lot of body yeah <laughs> and it is so weird how they like put the head on and it, it really is. Although I still think that Fred, when you were saying about her ear, I still think that was her head. Like they filmed like part of it, but then they, for the wider shots, they, they right. probably used, used the, the body, do- double. body double. And then, and now I'm going to look because this happened. What was our other show? Van Helsing. Right. I noticed. I was like, wait a minute. Why are they only showing from the shoulders up in a lot of scenes? <laughs> so now I'm going to be watching for that. I yep. mean, it's only a couple of episodes. So I'll be like, they are not showing her whole body. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird when they do that. All right, Fred, we appreciate your feedback as always. And only Thanks, have two Fred. more left. And did we get any feedback from our favorite other podcaster as well, Steve? Oh, we sure did. The expert expanse book person Christina has once again blessed us with her knowledge and some feedback. So let's hear what she has to inform us with. Hey, Sean and Steve, this is Christina with feedback on episode eight, Hard Vacuum. We see Naomi still torturing herself, trying to make communication with the Rasanante. Uh, after everything that she has been through, she still has much more to 
do to try to reach out and send a very important tweaking of the message. This solidified everything about the integrity, the motivation. Just Naomi is the best. There's nothing else to be stated other than she puts in her heart and soul and she will do anything for her family. And she wanted to show her son that hopefully he learns that lesson because his father gives him nothing but absolute and utter backhand and I don't know I mean man this poor kid in a lot of ways is being so emotionally manipulated and he wants to believe he's his own person but he can't he needs to walk away from the toxic situation he's in that's the only thing that's ever going to give him perspective and I don't know how the current events are going to change him but he definitely blames her for sin's death and I'm like well sin also didn't need to walk in an airlock where someone was doing their own business being like hey I'm suicidal let me be cognizant of your own personal feelings right now sin and decide not to kill myself because I love you so much and I guess that's where he was going with it but and maybe that he meant that for himself he shouldn't have killed sin he didn't she didn't have to leave me but at the same time you just slapped her in the face sir you slapped her in the face you called her a wet wella and then you dragged her from the room and she was screaming I effing hate you I don't know how you thought the other side of that was supposed to go like okay we had this argument we're gonna kill your family and then afterwards maybe we'll make up I said we'll put you on the flow but you'll be in despair you'll need some time eventually you'll call for help and we'll bring you back on the ship and then we'll all just be a happy family this is some delusional thinking and that's where I'm like boy stop it get some help I also wanted to clarify that I did not or am not shipping Naomi with her ex no I think I was kind of just picking up on the chemistry between the actors and then thinking if this was something like a scandal situation if you've ever watched that tv show it's more like a toxic relationship but both people are toxic it would be fun to see but no what I'm seeing on screen I would never ever ever know <laughs> but it, it does give you a little bit excitement when you see that dynamic play out because you want Naomi to put this man in his place and she does several times this episode by the end saying this is Naomi Nagata I am in control poor drummer she can't catch no breaks Carol she needs to catch so many bullets and I'm not sure how she went through life without catching at least one from somebody because I don't know how she's friendly she never shows a friendly demeanor she don't smile she don't soften up she don't change her makeup color anything that would inspire someone to at least work with you on a we have to live eat and shit together basis but no and then drummer screaming that she lost Naomi after Fred after Ashford just so much the rage inside of her heart speaking of Holden I'm pretty sure that he is going to put bull on the float if he don't shut his mouth. He needs to stop. I get it. You didn't sign up for this. Not a rescue mission. But no one else is complaining. You're the only one throwing out your negative feelings. This is this man's girlfriend. She also happened to save your life since you forgot that already. At least 
what's her name i forgot her name already the reporter chick at least she's like look i'm not i'm not about to say nothing right i don't (laughs) you didn't get the memo but i got the memo that says i'm a passenger on this thing i get that you are the pilot so you think you got some some sauce but you don't know murder face holding man he he's still just walking around with martian riot gear for like no reason lastly i hope you weren't super confused on what naomi was doing um i wonder if you guys watched the after show after the episode because that usually gives a lot of insight if anything was like oh i'm not sure what was happening i'm really sad the season is almost over but i am so happy that you guys are almost caught up can't wait to hear the podcast or oh, your dang. Wow. Did you think uh, she was shipping them? I didn't. I <laughs> I don't know. I may have said no shipping. So yeah, oh, it may okay. have been me. <laughs> but I think the best thing out of the entire statement, Christina, was murder face Holden. Um, <laughs> that might be my favorite. And we might have to like call him that like from now on. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't personally watch the after show. No, um, I haven't either. Honestly, I don't know if I realized there was an after. No, I didn't. So uh, until Fred mentioned it last week, yeah. So that's kind of awesome, and I may have to watch that now and like watch all of them, see what we miss. Naomi is such a badass, and I'm so glad that she's there. But oh my god, just seeing the torture she's putting herself through—it's like heartbreaking. Yes, it is. But she will do anything to save her family, like Christine said, and she is. She'll put herself on the line to save the people she loves, and it's just yeah. It's heartbreaking that Philip never saw that side of her. Now, I totally want to know. And yes, Christina, you'll just have to boil it for the next episode (laughs) if they haven't shown something. Does Philip actually realize everything his mom has done? Now, you pose that question here, but I need to know because we don't know how everything's (laughs) going to play out. Right. Because I just feel like her son is just way too, too far gone. Like his dad has been gaslighting him for so many years that he doesn't know the difference yeah i agree I, the only way he's going to survive is to walk away and i just don't see that happening i really and don't. i yeah i totally see like him snapping and possibly shooting marco himself but i mean that's all another story right as for marco's little friend over with drummer i don't know if she's gonna make it i really feel like drummer's gonna be like oops and right out the airlock like, <laughs> we can only hope because yeah yeah, we are it just in total, feels that way to me. Yeah, total agreement with you, Christina, that Carell has got to go. She is... Ugh, just the attitude. Yeah. Which, of course, is what makes a great actor, because we hate their character so much. But yes. still, it's like, oh, I hate her. Yeah, <laughs> She's and our hearts like have a nice person. <laughs> definitely broken for what poor drummer's having to go through. That's just more than anybody should have to go through. That's for sure. It's pretty messed up. And like, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure how well Drummer's going to come out of all of this. Right. Like mentally, because she's just being beaten down. Like physically, I think she'd be able to come back. I mean, obviously she was freaking crushed. But like, this is just beating on her mentally and emotionally. And I don't know if she's going to be able to come out of it. Right. Well, once again, Christine, it is fantastic to feed off some of your expanse knowledge. And thank you so much, Christina. Yes, thank you so much. 
All right. Well, you know how everybody who sent us something feels about the show. Why don't you let us know how you feel? Shoot us an email. You can do a voice clip like our fellow feedbackers have done or just an email, a quick little note, however you want to do it. You can send it to contact us at fangirlzone.com or you can head over to www.fangirlzone.com and go to the contacts page and you can see all of our emails and you can send it to us that way. There's so many ways to contact us. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, tell your friends about the show. I'm telling you, they can totally binge watch everything that's out there and watch probably the finale with you live. Yep. And then you can all be like, oh my God, I can't believe blah, 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 blah. <laughs> because we have no idea what's happening. Because not like we're watching this in advance. We're watching this with you guys. Yep. And freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> We, of course, hope you're enjoying our podcast as well. So please let us know. Give us a little love. And for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I'm Sean Fangirless. And I'm Steve. This is Naomi Nagata. Tell James Holden I'm in control. And until next time.